0: Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Lunch Therapy. I'm your host, unlicensed lunch therapist, Adam Roberts. I'm so psyched for today's episode, it's kind of a game changer. We have our first couple doing couples lunch therapy, my friends Byron Lane and Stephen Rowley, both of whom are authors. Uh, Byron has a book that I just read called The Stars Board, now out in paperback, which is based on his time working as Carrie Fisher's assistant. And it's such a good book. It's so funny and heartbreaking and specific and unique. And if you like Carrie Fisher, you're going to love the stories that Byron tells in his book. But it's not even just about that, it's about a lot more. So I recommend that. And then his husband, Stephen Rowley, is the author of not one, not two, but three novels, including a beautiful book called Lily and the Octopus. He has a second book, The Editor, and now he has a brand new book out called The Gunkle, which is blowing up. Um, I see it in every bookstore I've gone into this summer, and, uh, and it's getting great reviews, and I'm so lucky to have them on. Uh, and in today's session, we talk all about who does the dishes in their home.
1: I, I think we're largely independent. And that is we, true. I, mean, I use fewer dishes. Is that true?
2: I feel like it.
0: The dinner that they ate in Venice.
1: It's under a mountain of rock
0: salt.
2: Yeah, like, like hard rock salt. And they had to come by and crack it all open. It was a whole
0: production. And Byron's tendency to binge on peanut butter.
1: But it has re- required me to hide some food around the house.
0: So without further ado, here is my couple's lunch therapy session with Byron Lane and Stephen Rowley. Well, guys, uh, thank you for being my first couple ever on Lunch Therapy.
2: Yay!
0: Are you nervous to have couples lunch therapy?
2: (laughs) I'm a little nervous. Are you? I'm a little nervous because it's, you know, the therapy part is what gets me.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I love re-
2: therapy. I love therapy.
1: Well, yeah. What if at the end of this, it's determined that we're not compatible to be together based on our lunches?
2: Can you? Is that something you can put like on your um, advertising?
1: Oh yeah,
0: I broke up a couple because I analyzed their lunch. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I feel
2: like people. That's a interested.
0: great ad. Yeah, I yeah. agree. Yeah. <laughs> well, just so people know your voices, um, Byron, you can Hi. say this is Byron Lane, and Byron is the author of the book A Star's Board, which is now out in paperback, which I just read, and it was. Finished fantastic oh
2: thanks adam i appreciate that a lot
0: and then we have steven who is Irene's oh. husband and steven has plenty of books but he has a brand new book out called the gunkle which is in bookstores and hardcover and it's i just saw it at book soup in la and it's, it's taking the world by storm so congratulations
1: <laughs> thank you it's been quite a summer a yeah
0: on. so tell us about like just so we can you know people can know do you want, you want to tell us quickly about like your books and how they're doing and what the story is and why people should buy them
2: So A Star is Board is um, a novel inspired by the three years I was personal assistant to Star Wars actress Carrie Fisher, and it's the story of a celebrity assistant who's trying to manage his eccentric and wild movie star boss, um, the ups and downs of their friendship, the love that grows between them, and some crazy antics along the way. Um, and uh, we got some great reviews from New York Times, LA Times, um, and from
0: me on Goodreads. I don't know if you saw it,
1: but I wrote yes. a great review. Yes, I'm I so loved
2: grateful it. to you. For that.
0: Thank you, friend. <laughs> yeah,
1: yes, if, if readers aren't aware, that is so incredibly helpful to authors. So just rating, uh, reviewing on both Goodreads and and Amazon and and sites like that, it really does help sort of trick the algorithms and help help people discover new authors so.
0: it's so funny because i i'm sure you guys do this too but do you and craig does this with his movies but i the the bad reviews like the like one sentence bad reviews are the ones you memorize and know forever mm-hmm. and the good reviews are the ones you forget
2: of course i've started when i take notes on calls about other projects and whatnot yeah. of writing the good stuff too i used to just write the stuff i needed to work on yeah, and yeah. write the good stuff so i can go back and be like oh okay it's so funny because you know, I,
0: I think it was with Craig's first movie. Like he can quote verbatim. Like I think it was like maybe like the Seattle Times like just read a bad review and he can literally recite it. For yeah. me, my my funniest one is like I did a Google talk when my cookbook came out and I wore a bow tie and somebody in the comments on YouTube said something about this guy makes me want to strangle him. <laughs> <laughs>
2: no. Yeah. You had a really good one.
1: Oh goodness, I just did a, a sort of authors read one star reviews sort of thing that was on, oh, on youtube it was like a jimmy kimmel mean tweets uh sort of thing but um yeah there was one about my my book the the editor that was just like oh goody another book about new york and i was like what is wrong with new york you know that's <laughs> like,
0: really funny <laughs> there are
1: endless stories for new york um you know in my first book lily and the octopus there was one about like a you know, like a great the dog dies or something. You know, like I don't, I don't, it was something I couldn't, I couldn't care, I couldn't care less about dropping. this about this dog. Oh my god! Like, oh no, this was my dog. <laughs> like, Wait, so Stephen,
0: tell everybody about the Gunkle so they can go out and buy it
1: yeah so so to finish up by like a board is just out in paperback so great mm-hmm. time to pick it up and the gunkle just was published in hardcover uh in may and uh for anybody who doesn't know although i'm sure all lunch therapy listeners are <laughs> cultured enough to know that a gunkle has become sort of very popular slang in the past five ten years for a gay uncle mm-hmm. but more than that it has almost a slight connotation of um larger than life personality kind of a an anti-mame kind Mm -hmm. of character and and, uh so and certainly this story is is is, uh you know meets that definition where patrick o'hara who is a retired television star living in palm springs is tasked with taking in his niece and nephew for the summer after a family tragedy and it sort of brings about a season of healing for all three of them
0: did you name him Patrick because the author of anti Mame is named Patrick? I uh, did.
1: Yeah, good. That's good. That huh? Right up on that. So, so smart. smart. Yeah. Thank in you. honor of Patrick Dennis, who wrote. Uh... Anti-main.
0: I'm proud of myself. That was a very good connection that I made. That's a
1: 1955 novel, and you
0: pulled that. (laughs) I think I have it. Um, Well, I am so proud of you both as your friend. It's so cool to see people be successful at what they're doing, and I get so excited whenever I see your books in bookstores. So, this is the nice part of the of the interview. We're about to like put you on the table. I'm gonna like cut open your brains and. Put you out there. Uh, But um, before we get to that, though, I wanted to ask you because this is like the classic question when two creative people are married to each other. You know, there was F. Scott and Zelda Fitzgerald who famously feuded and like wanted to kill each other and were drunk all the time. (laughs) So, what's it like being two novelists working together and being married at home?
2: I think uh, we're pretty lucky. I think I I feel great about it. Um, <laughs> I feel great about it. I, I think we both uh, we both kind of go into our own spaces and mm-hmm. we write during the day and we kind of uh, meet at lunchtime and sometimes we pitch ideas and about okay. plots and uh, and also there's an element of um, shorthand when it comes to stress or uh, or you know when you're you're trying to figure out a, a story problem um the other one kind of gets a sense of of the headspace you're in you know
0: so you bring so do you actually bring the content that you're working on into your relationship and like say like i'm up to this chapter where such and such happens and i don't know what to do steve was just now walking through the kitchen shouting uh Page
1: 72! 72! <laughs> yeah, so I, yeah we do that. I actually like it. I think, you know, a lot of people assume it would be a nightmare. And yeah, there are, like, um, professional jealousies sometimes and other issues to work through. But for the most part, like, our house is quiet. And that mm-hmm. is conducive to uh, creativity in a way, you know, particularly this past year over the pandemic and suddenly like, you know, partners are faced with sharing workspace and not just homes with each other. Like, I don't know how my writer friends who are married to like high powered attorneys or corporate (laughs) executives who are on loud conference calls all day, you know, like I would never be able to write under those circumstances. So Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and as Byron says, like, it's not a job that you can just turn off at the end of the day. Sometimes you're deep stuck in a story um, or figuring something out or there's a little bit of writer's block you're working through and and so in some cases I can dinner time can come and I'm still sort of withdrawn a little bit I'm in it I'm, I'm I can't just stop thinking about it because it's time to come together and eat dinner and I think I think there's like at least some understanding and forgiveness of that one so do you write all day um, I, I we kind of work all day. I feel like we have a, a regular schedule. You know, with the new book that just came out this year, I've been in, you know much more in sort of promotion mode. Um, I'm very fortunate that I have three projects in development as feature films, so the right. movie stuff takes up a lot of time. It's it's writing is actually the hard, hardest time to squeeze hardest thing to squeeze it in sometimes. But.
2: It's tricky because um, I think I think we try to stick to regular working hours. But our mind, my mind, sometimes can't, I can't let go yeah. of what I'm trying to figure out. And uh, sometimes that's helpful and sometimes it's not. Um, so in that, in that way, we're always kind of kind of going.
0: Yeah, it's funny. I'm working on a writing project now. And I, I Googled like habits of famous writers and, you know, <laughs> and it was funny. Cause like my thing was, I read Stephen King's book on writing novels and mm-hmm, writing yep. and he says do a thousand words a day. So that's mm-hmm. what I've been doing. And it's great. It's like, and I, I've always done that with everything I've ever written, like just sort of like give myself a goal, get to the goal. And then I'm done. But then I was reading Karen Russell who wrote Swamplandia um, was saying she does it. She just does four hours every day. Like she sets in the morning, she like sets a timer for four hours and it doesn't matter how many words she does, as long as she's engaged with her work for four hours a day. Uh, which I thought was interesting because it's not about word count. It's more about just inhabiting the world of what you're writing. So I'm always fascinated to hear people's process. Yeah, I think a little
1: of column A and a little column B is good. You know, the Stephen King method is great when you're drafting a first draft. You mm-hmm. know, And it really is just like, let's get the story on the page. And Um, Because the problem with the four hours for me is that I I would spend all the time rewriting because it's much, you know, I enjoy that process much more than... Mm laying down fresh words so sometimes you just the output is what is important in, early in the stages when you're writing a cookbook do the do the recipe ingredients count towards <laughs> a thousand words
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's really funny that's like the lyrics or the music come first um the recipes yeah i mean the, the word word count for the cookbook isn't really an issue it's the number of recipes so with the yeah. cookbook it's 50 recipes um but i'm writing a novel right now about uh food writers, like a family of food writers. So like Uh, I'm trying to hit hit this like thousand words a day thing. So you guys are very inspiring. Um, But now we've come to the moment that you've been looking forward to, I hope, and not dreading, which is where I ask you, what did you guys have for lunch today?
2: Okay, me first? Sure. All right. So I have the same lunch every day. I have a huge salad. So I have a huge bowl and I put uh, in there chopped romaine. And then I put a little olive oil. Mm -hmm. And then I put a little um, Key West lime juice.
0: Okay. From a bottle?
2: Yep. From a bottle. Uh It's like that lime green bottle. Uh Uh-huh. And then I put in uh, some onion powder. Okay. Cayenne pepper. Uh Uh-huh. I put in freeze-dried vegetable mix. (laughs) So it's like an end cap thing. And I think people normally use it uh, in soups um but i like it in the salad it's like little bits of um carrot and celery and cuz it's kind of crunchy and uh, i've
0: bacon. never heard anybody do I've, I've been working in food for almost 20 years and that's the first time i've ever heard anybody put that it, in a is salad that like a, a bacon bit for vegetables?
2: <laughs> <laughs> it, it is a, it is like bacon bits yes yeah. and I, I keep thinking you know what if i put this on tiktok will this be a thing
0: yeah it might
2: be Ugh. and then I put some nutritional yeast on there. And then that's my salad. That's my big lunch. But in, terms,
0: with- but in terms of like what's in the bowl besides the flavorings, it's just romaine lettuce. It's like not like tomatoes or cucumbers or onions. So it's basically a bowl of romaine with lots of flavorings.
2: Well, how dare you? But yes.
0: <laughs> no, no, that's not a judgment. I, again, I'm a professional lunch therapist and I never judge. I just take, I'm just <laughs> trying to take in all the information. Although that does sound like what a rabbit would eat for lunch. Um, okay. Now, Stephen, what did you have for lunch?
1: We, we eat very differently. It's, a, it's interesting that we would be your first couple guests because you would think it would be like a couple prepares meals together and eats together. Yeah, and that doesn't we,
0: matter, though, because this is good, good fuel for our conversation.
1: Yeah, I, I, it might be good. It might. This might help you better judge our relationship. Uh, in that <laughs> no it, judging. We, no we, judging. We, different. We do have different diets. Yeah. Um, I have no Byron's vegetarian. I am not. But years and years ago, it's been probably 20 years now, I did cut out red meat and pork. So I don't eat either of those. Um, But uh, so for me, like I, I like to, to grill. So I've been eating a lot of more like a rice bowl of some, some rice, some canned black beans, which I always love. There's a, I forget the brand of it now, but they've been stewed with jalapenos. So they've got a little bit of kick to them okay and then you know just grill a, a simple piece of chicken um and uh sort of cut that up and sort of uh, put that together sometimes with some avocado or something but that just just make a simple rice bowl outside well i grill i grill outside it's now we live in palm Springs, so now it's now you know 115 degrees outside it's not pleasant to eat lunch outside at the moment, no i can't imagine yeah. it is beautiful to eat outside eat lunch outdoors in february so
0: but today with your grilled chicken, did you go out into the 115-degree? Yeah, I, I ran no. out,
1: turned on the grill, slapped the chicken on and ran back yeah. inside. Yeah.
0: Great. Well, I mean, you know, it's funny because Craig and I are very different people. Um, uh, we come from very different families. And and his sister, who's studying to be a therapist, who's been a guest on this podcast once described me as coming from an enmeshed family where it was like one creature with multiple heads where everyone sort of had to do do the same things at the same time. And Craig came from a family of very independently minded people who could all go in their own directions and do their own thing. And it was, but they all still felt connected. They didn't need to be involved in everyone else's show. So it sounds like you guys as a couple are much more column B where it's like, you're both living your independent journeys, but you're still united in your relationship. It's just, you give yourself, you give each other space to do what you need to do.
1: I like that I actually um had a prior relationship where I remember in, in therapy uh, at one point I, clearly it wasn't going well that uh I said well you don't want to you you don't want a partner you want a Siamese twin and and that is like a relationship model that I don't you know that I don't want for myself I like lots of independence in in the relationship and we have that
0: is that true for you Byron like do you enjoy your independence too
2: Oh yeah, for sure. I recharge my batteries when, with alone time. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so sometimes that's just coming in the bedroom closing the door and taking a nap. Uh, Sometimes when it's not too hot, I'll go for uh, a two hour walk uh, things like that.
0: Yeah, it's, it's nice. But so so you both are kind of even, evenly matched in terms of your temperaments in terms of wanting your alone time. But what about the opposite? I mean, is one of you more like, needy or you know needing more attention or more uh you know time.
1: I think it was me early in the relationship. <laughs> We've been together eight years now. So I, I think early on I was like the pursuer and um I had to learn that his needing alone time wasn't because he needed space away from me. Right. Space. Yes. Period. Once I learned it had nothing to do with me, I was my I was like, oh I don't need to sink my closet in that
2: deep <laughs> i think i got a little bit uh is needy the right word i don't know but i like to shout like uh, you happy uh, you're doing well you know those little bits that maybe right. while you're in the thick of working sometimes you're you know uh it's not the perfect oh imagine, yeah it but... is
1: it is fun you will say hi to me like 15 times a day i'm gonna be like we work at home we live at home it's been a pandemic we've been right. sheltering. home you really only needed to say hi to me like once when i walked through the door in mid- March <laughs> 2020 and right. we haven't left each other's side but it's so. almost
0: like you're just making sure he's still there and yeah, everything's okay right. that's yeah. really interesting i feel like there, byron i feel like there's a component of that in your book um with one of the relationships that your character gets into where like you're, you're emailing him a bunch and he's basically kind of gets annoyed and ends it.
2: Yeah. Um, I think I've gone through waves of learning about, uh, you know, personal space and boundaries and, and all that stuff. And, mm-hmm. and we had a, we had a, this is, this is, uh, Steve and I had a moment in real life that inspired a moment in the book. And that was uh, one night I got, I got home from work and Steve and I had a date uh, and I was like uh, exhausted. I just wanted to stay home. I didn't mm-hmm. want to do anything. And so I reached out to him and I was like, hey, I'm just bummed. Can, can, can we cancel, reschedule, whatever? And he said to me, um, of course, I'm, I'm here to make your life better, not more complicated. So, mm-hmm. you know, have a great night. And of course, I mean, of course, as soon as he said that, I was like, come over now.
0: Right. (laughs) (laughs) That's all you wanted to hear. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. And that's so uh, nice. That was a real turning point. It was a real turning point for me. And uh, of knowing that I can trust him to Mm -hmm. care about um, what I need.
0: Well, okay. here's some like more like typical questions, though, about like food and couples and relationships, because there's the obvious one that people always ask us, which is who does the dishes?
2: Mm -hmm. I do more dishes i think do you think? oh my gosh like throughout the day i'll i'll load the dishwasher when there are dishes in the same
1: yeah we actually have a dishwasher now for the first time uh which is new for us in the past sort of year and a half um because we were doing everything by hand before um i i think we're largely independent yeah, that I think is we, true i we... use fewer dishes is that true? I feel like
2: it.
0: <laughs> I feel like I've hit like a very, very raw nerve here about dishes.
2: I mean, I wish there was a fight about the dishes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I keep interrupting you. No, no, no. you finished. you're the patient. Go ahead.
2: Oh, my God. Um, the last few nights, sometimes if we're watching something and I'm checked out, I'll go like tidy the kitchen.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but for the most part, I think we do our. Own oh day.
1: yeah, I, do, I guess I do use more dishes too, because I think I, sometimes I get frustrated that you you will just do the bare minimum to food. Sometimes feels more like a function of staying alive for you, whereas I will I will take steps to make something properly and enjoy it. Like I will I could not eat cold pizza. I understand people like it, but I also can't eat microwave pizza. Like mm-hmm. it has to be warmed on a pizza stone in an oven. Um, same thing with- uh, Broccoli. Yeah, I want it properly steamed or sauteed. I won't micro, like I, I don't- oh, microwave eat, broccoli. You'll microwave everything. <laughs> and but so, then I then just then, have one bowl. Then you just have, yeah. Then you don't have any dishes or pots and pans. Whereas I, I've got the pots and pans to scour.
0: Well, that's really interesting. So Byron, where does your lack of interest in food come from? And Stephen, where does your interest in food come from? Like, did you grow up in different kinds of families where there's different priorities put on that kind of stuff?
2: Hmm. That's a great question. I'm, I think mine is just a function of laziness. (laughs) Uh, Uh, and, uh, God, what's the word utility? Mm -hmm. Um, growing, I grew up in Louisiana. So North of new Orleans and, uh, my parents were divorced. So, Uh, when I was really young mom did did the cooking and that all seemed very traditional but I just I wasn't like in the kitchen it was just like oh it's time to eat and race down eat and get on with my day kind of Mm -hmm. it wasn't it wasn't a big deal and then dad cooked um meals too but they were you know I don't know it was the same thing it always seemed very functional to me
0: Hmm. but even even near New Orleans like did you ever go out to like New Orleans restaurants and eat like fried catfish and all that kind of stuff
2: I took all that for granted so like (laughs) you could get a catfish po' boy on any corner. You could get it at the gas station. Um, so there wasn't like, um, so I kind of just took good food for granted and this is good and that's good. And, uh, but then when it came time for me to kind of take care of myself, I was like, I'm not, I'm not frying catfish. I'm not buying buying a po' boy every, every day for lunch. And so then, then I got a little lazy.
0: Interesting. Stephen. how about you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I grew up in a very, uh, I grew up in, in Maine. Um, other than seafood, there's not a lot of deep sort of uh, culinary traditions uh, from Maine uh, perhaps. And, uh, and, and the food that I grew up with was very um, white. White. I mean mm-hmm. that it, sort of racially and also it was a lot of like uh you know casseroles with a bechamel sauce or something and you know it it's just there wasn't a lot of excitement to the food that i grew up with you know i didn't have chinese food until i went to college or something mm-hmm. like wow. it was like you know and so an interest in food came came as part of my adult life and independence i think that i was mm-hmm. more adventurous in eating and i did have a my first serious relationship He was uh, an incredible, uh, incredible cook. And I learned so much and I was just sort of blown away. I was all just like, you know, it was like watching Merlin, you know, do these like magic. I was like, Mm -hmm. wait, you can put this and this together or the idea of someone cooking without a recipe Mm -hmm. or understanding. It was the first time I ever stopped and thought about how ingredients can go together and what happens when you pair things and what, what goes good with what and that it's okay to make mistakes and sometimes that something won't be edible but but you've learned something in that and, and so that's something i always like, carried with me from that point um forward
2: and steven really really you really are a great cook and uh we've had we have friends come out here and steve will cook for us and we'll you know brussels sprouts or um chicken with um peanut butter uh ginger sauce <laughs> Oh yeah, um, I'm, I'll make sauce like a, with,
1: with a ginger glaze. He does like something. a delicious
2: pesto pasta. Like he can do a homemade pizza that's out of this world. You, I, know, I feel like I'm naming
1: like bad. The basic, pizza. the yeah, most like, basic. <laughs> Your potatoes that yeah. are.
0: That's very cute. How like because like it seems like when it's not Stephen cooking, you're not that interested in food. But when he's cooking, it seems like that's when you get excited.
2: I think our big thing. I also get on weird diet kicks. Mm-hmm. And so um, there was, I think there just hit a point during the pandemic where Steve was just kind of like, I can't keep up with what you're eating. Are you eating lectins? Are you not eating lectins? Like, what are you doing?
0: And, <laughs> what are uh, lectins? What is a lectin? Yeah. Like, what is a lectin? I think it's
2: like a, a protein, uh, like in tomatoes. Or it might be a seed. But why but, would
0: you eat them and versus not eat them?
2: Oh, well, because Instagram um, <laughs> introduced me to this guy, Dr. Gidry, who oh, was talking no. about colon health and um and uh you can if you eat too many lectins, you can get little tears in your colon. So if you cut out lectins, uh gut health, all this stuff. And so I did that okay. for a while.
0: And how did it feel?
2: I felt nothing different. <laughs> and so I went back
0: to I went back to <laughs> Okay. Yeah, no, don't believe tea. everything you read on Instagram, you know. Yeah, uh, it really is, it is.
1: listen to that, oh. to that preface for everything that it would be like oh I, I saw it on tiktok or yeah I read it on instagram. yeah and you will rearrange your whole life based oh. on well, it like i don't have the energy for i that. know it's true
0: well as you're talking about diets and like instagram fads and stuff i mean the other elephant in the room is that we're all gay men and like we probably all know and are friends with guys who prioritize their bodies over what they eat or you know or that, or that's a huge struggle like how they look versus how they get to feed themselves. And for me, like I chose my, I made my decision a long ago that I'd rather eat whatever I want than have like six pack abs, but that's my decision. But I'm curious, curious how you both navigate that living as you do in Palm Springs, where you're surrounded by beefcakes everywhere you turn.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, one advantage to moving to Palm Springs is even though I just turned 50 earlier this year, I've, I'm young again in Palm Springs. So mm-hmm. i I'm the fresh beefcake in, in <laughs> Springs. But you know, I, I just mentioned that because it it's something that my relationship with food and uh body image and whatnot has changed with age. And certainly my metabolism has slowed down and, mm-hmm. and and whatnot. Um and you're right, we do live here in the desert where we have a swimming pool and we have guests out, and you know, everyone's uh not wearing very much and, and in the pool. And and so to me though, now like every inch around my waist or something is um you know I, a meal i look at it as a meal i enjoyed with friends or drinks mm-hmm. that i had or travel that i've done like i try to look at it that way it, it is truly life experience and and um, i
0: love that that's like rings of a tree
1: yeah <laughs> there, well there's to be more and more rings all the time but, yeah, uh, i've got those
0: too i love that i'm gonna you're gonna be my new diet diet guru on instagram <laughs> yes, so, yes. Yeah.
1: But, you know, as I grew older, I was like, those are the things, you know, I, I've never regretted, uh, you know, a great meal. I've just never, I just, um, I, you know, I will carry that with me forever. And, um, I'm, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think it, it evolves over it evolves over time, my feelings about it.
0: And how about you, Byron? Are you somebody who's struck a balance between, like, body image and eating? Or is that something that you still, or something you've struggled with in the past?
2: um when i was younger i the complaint was always that i was too skinny
0: mm-hmm.
2: too skinny too skinny i used to have old ladies i grew up catholic and old ladies <laughs> in church used to uh to pull me aside and be like you know every time you drive by wendy's you should just go get a frosty like, <laughs> that's tab- why my
0: grandmother always said to me to drink more milkshakes when i was a kid that was a big yeah. thing yeah, yeah.
2: that's
0: funny. um
2: so i always heard that and then as i got older metabolism changed and body changed and um Yeah. I think that sometimes that can affect self-esteem, but I also have been into therapy for years and years and years. I love self-help stuff. And Mm -hmm. um, so I see a value now in um, value now in my body and in my life. I'm going to be 43 tomorrow. Wow. Happy birthday. Thank you. So I'm feeling, I'm feeling really great. And I do try to just strike a balance, you know,
0: well, I'm going to do a little sidebar quickly because, you know, obviously people who've read your book, Byron, want all the Carrie Fisher gossip, yeah. and I'm just just curious, and then we'll move back to couples therapy. But like in terms of food with Carrie, like, do you have a lot of food memories with her, of like going to meals with her, or what she ate? I know that's all in the book, but like, are there ones that come to mind immediately? Um,
2: well, in general, she she was not like a big foodie. Like, it was very rare for her to like go to a restaurant for a meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, she, would have, she would have, she would just have meetings at her house, bring people over. And, um, and then she was famous for throwing uh, big parties at her house where um, Pete, where she would uh, make fried chicken and she had a chef that she loved who made fried chicken. Um, and I can remember other little, when we traveled, it was always like room service. Uh huh. Um, we'd order everything. It was crazy. Uh, it was crazy fun. Um, she wasn't and-
0: like an adventurer. Like, cause I know you guys went to Bali or was that somewhere I in book. Went-
2: yeah, we went to Bali. We went to Japan. And uh, so in Japan- Oh yeah, story. that was yeah. a really
0: funny story in the book. Like tell the story, yeah.
2: <laughs> there's a story in the book that is uh, the assistant and the movie star uh, have this experience. In real life, um, I was, uh, I went in my alone time. So a friend of, of Carrie's was traveling with us and the chef at this very fancy hotel, the hotel used to be um, an emperor's palace. And they converted to a hotel. You can only get there by boat. It was this crazy whole thing. And, uh, so the, the, the head chef found out that Carrie Fisher was there and was like, we're going to do this great gourmet meal for you. And, um, it's for two. And I was like, please you two go. I'm going to take a nap, rest here in this giant suite, uh, have fun. I had my kimono on. It was lovely. <laughs> uh, so then they took off and when they came back, she hands me her purse and I open it up. And, uh, what happened at dinner was, um, she, she was being served, um, uh sushi that was very fresh like some of it living some of it still moving right it wasn't her thing so uh when the waitresses would leave the room she would open her purse (laughs) she was on uh, jenny craig at the time and so she put in a bag of like uh sugar oats uh pour them (laughs) into her purse and use the cellophane to start collecting the sushi <laughs> that she didn't want to eat. Uh, and eventually it spilled out of that. Anyway, she brought me this purse and I, uh, I had to take it to the balcony where the river was uh, flowing oh me this, And I just flung all of these little <laughs> objects,
0: uh,
2: out into the water. And
0: hopefully they're all fine. Yeah, you're probably like a hero in the, in the underwater community right now. That's right, that's right. Yeah, wow, yeah. that's such a good story. That's really, I'm glad you told that. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I'm curious for you guys. So when you travel together or when you are in a new city, is food a priority, like our restaurants a priority, like the two of you like, as a couple, like, and who's the one who makes the reservations and who's the one who does the research? And is that, is that what's guiding your trip or other factors?
2: Two things. One, oh my God, I'm jumping in.
0: No,
1: please. One,
2: I, I think in the future, it's going to be more of a factor because we've sort of flown by the seat of our pants a little bit on our last few trips. And I think that it, uh, I think maybe, I don't know, I'll, I'll be curious if you agree. But then the second part is Steve, I think. Uh, Steven mostly is in charge of, uh, he he kind of leads the thing. When I'm hungry, I'm just like, there's a place.
0: Uh, <laughs> we would not travel part. well together. No, no. Oh, I'm like, no. I'm going to New York next week. I literally have like every morsel planned that I'll be putting into my body. Oh, happiness. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. But how about you, Steven, what's your take on it?
1: Yeah, it's funny when going to someplace like New York, you know, there are um, obviously like new things that I've read about that I want to try, but there, but I used to live in New York for a little while. So they're all old favorites too. And there's like things that are, you know, sort of like New York staples for me that I want to revisit. With traveling, yeah, I think we, I think you and I travel very well together, but I am probably like, I I don't know, in general, well, maybe this isn't fair. I was going to say a little more planner um but but I don't know if that's true but with with restaurants certainly like I like I like having uh the ability to discover a few things while we're there but also knowing that we have one or two reservations also so that we can take the pressure off of a certain night and also
2: and we learn along the way so in when we went to Venice uh in Italy um they told us the specials and we were like okay let's get that uh the salt crusted fish. Mm-hmm. And we're like, okay, I'll get that too. It sounds so good. So we got two and we had no idea what was in store. It was basically, it was, it, each dish was sort of for two. There it was <laughs> yeah. a huge
1: fish. It was <laughs> fish under a mountain of rock salt.
2: Yeah, like like hard rock salt. And they had to come by and crack it all open. It was a whole production. And so we kind of over-ordered there. Yeah, so they should have told to you. Out.
0: They should have warned you, that's not fair. Yeah. Cool. Uh, um yeah, we got them. They got it. so I was gonna ask you in your eight years together, is is there a meal? This is almost like the newlywed game. I feel like you each should have your own answer and see if it's the same, but is there a meal that stands out as the best meal that you've had together?
1: Wow. I think it was Paris. Um, and where did we go? You had Byron had a friend who was living in there, and a sort of American expat who was living there, and her boyfriend, husband, husband. was a chef yep. at a Michelin-starred restaurant and i don't i can't remember the name of the restaurant offhand but it was one of these things where we never would have been able to get into but he got us in at like 11 o'clock at night and we could mm. just do the tasting menu or something like some experience that we wouldn't have gotten to have otherwise
2: it was off the beaten path it, it was uh, small so it was very intimate and there were just a zillion courses i remember
1: yeah i think I, we yeah. we ate this was before you were vegetarian maybe right because we just ate whatever they like, put in front of us vacation
2: rules yeah vacation rules
0: that sounds really fun that sounds like a great experience like especially to know somebody so that can like get you in somewhere like that um well i'm curious like so when we talked about your lunch we talked about like independence and each being on your own track but is that true throughout the day is that true for breakfast is that true for dinner like how when do you guys rejoin your separate machinery and make a decision about food
1: yeah i think um i i miss sort of the intimacy of Cooking a meal and both sharing it sometimes, um, but now we've sort of replaced that with well, I would say that like the pandemic affected things. So we, so we, you know, obviously live together. We work. We both work at home. There was a lot of togetherness, and the pandemic only, um, only exacerbated that a bit. You know, as we stopped traveling for work and and whatnot, it was we were together a lot, and so I think we exercised a little bit of independence and alone time um by either staggering our sleep schedules a little bit and and it seeped over into food prep also I think it was just like um you know I haven't left you know particularly like early in the pandemic when you're like I didn't even leave the house today Mm -hmm. um then I'm going to treat myself by cooking something that I want you Mm -hmm. know I'm not sort of we're not figuring out dinner together it's just something I'm doing for me so Um, and I think that's, that's sort of carried through, but now that rest, now that we've been back at restaurants and and whatnot, now we'll have a date night sort of stands in for the intimacy of, 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 of a shared meal. It now becomes, you know, like a share, even though we're not eating the same thing in a restaurant, it's a shared experience. Mm -hmm. So, you know, having date nights again and eating in restaurants have been very special.
2: And we're definitely very different for breakfast and lunch, but I, sometimes we come together at dinner. I would say more often than not. Yeah. We just make sure our dinner is ready at the same time.
0: And do you guys, so do you guys have favorite Palm Springs spots for people who are listening, who uh, are going to go there and on vacation sometime? Yeah. Uh,
1: the, honestly, one of my favorite meals here is the, the rooster and the pig.
0: I knew you were going to say That's my favorite place. So yeah.
1: Like Vietnamese fusion, which doesn't sound like something you might want when it's 115 degrees outside, but it, it is wonderful. Mm-hmm. I mean, the food there is just incredible. And they never used to have takeout. And then uh, over the course of the pandemic, they had to switch their business model. And so you could get takeout. And I'm not sure what the status is at the moment. I don't know. Um, but that was that was a, a, sort of a real joy. Hmm.
2: Um, we uh, we love 849 is that the one it's numbers but I don't remember them oh name. yeah yeah I know that yeah and Mr. Lyons is special occasion we're gonna go there to oh Los yeah
0: Los
1: love North that place here. yeah I love Mr. Lyons I still am obsessed with a, like a 1950s sort of red leather horseshoe booth steakhouse even yeah. though I don't eat steak I want a tableside caesar I want a big martini mm-hmm. and, uh, and, you know, and I'll order, you know, a piece of fish or something to go with that. But, but, um, I still love that, that sort of classic Palm Springs fifties sort of steakhouse feel, Sinatra, mm-hmm. and kind of feel, even though it doesn't really match my diet, but I still go <laughs> for that.
0: Yeah. It's a great, that has a great atmosphere. It's so, so funny. Cause now I associate it with a fight that I had with friends during the pandemic about, Uh. about Woody Allen. I was like, it was like a stupid conversation. I'm not even going to rehash it. Wait,
1: did someone come down pro Woody Allen? Well, this
0: was, this was right when the documentary had started and we were all watching it. And it was like Uh. the first episode before it got to like the really damaging stuff. And so like, there was just a lot of conversation, but it got so Mm. heated. I like the, the waitress came over. I was like, I'll come back. Like, and now it's like one of those fights where it's like, that's all I'll think about for the rest of my life. When I think about Mr. Lion's steakhouse.
1: Oh, no, oh, but, no. Uh, but
0: it's really good food. Um, well, actually, a good question for you guys, which I've never asked you before is what, what's it like to move to Palm Springs? Like what was what's it like to leave L.A. and live there?
1: Well, we moved. So we bought a place here four, four and a half years ago or so, and we were sort of weekenders for a while. And it was November of 2019. So just a little bit before the pandemic, where we thought we'd roll the dice. We were now both working at home. We had, sort of felt like our writing careers were established enough that we could leave LA and try. Mm-hmm. It. And I think we were just going to sort of try it for a year and see how it felt. But, you know, I still sort of at figuring out what it feels like really because then once the pandemic hit I thought you know I I, the idea was oh we'll be back and forth to LA all the time and we'll have friends out on the weekends and and it just didn't turn out to be that
2: Mm -hmm.
1: um and you know I thought we would travel too at the height of the summer when it it's you know when the temperatures are the hottest and it would all and instead we were kind of in in lockdown so um it just the past couple months where I sort of feel like we're exploring what it actually means to to be here I don't know do you have this
2: yeah I think we're lucky because we could afford uh, a house with air conditioning and a pool that we mm-hmm. could never afford in LA right and then I keep having these uh lovely moments of um there's parking
1: like, <laughs> right
2: foods you know there's uh you can go to the I got an email that I have to get one of those real IDs from the DMV that's going to be easy.
1: Like going to the right. gym,
2: here's a breeze.
1: The Trader Joe's has an enormous parking lot. Where can you, where else can you say that? Yeah. Uh, that's so no awesome.
2: And so there's, there's a lot of things like that that are, uh, that are just easy. It's
1: mm-hmm.
0: easy. Yeah. It's funny because Craig and I moved from New York to LA and, just like the idea of like driving to the grocery store and like putting groceries in your trunk was transformative. But it's funny because like we're going through a phase right now. I think a lot of people are looking at their lives after the pandemic and really questioning like where, where are we living? And like, is this where we want to be? I mean, it's definitely a lot of people who live in New York uh, are, are moving to the country or moving out of the city. But it's funny for me because it made me actually miss New York. Like, I, I don't know why, but I guess I just missed that proximity to other people and culture. And Craig is like, we, we can never go back there. Like, we'll yeah. never have- because it's basically the quality of life here is so much greater. It's like I'm not going to go back to like a tiny apartment yeah. and like you know baseboard heating and just whatever you know, all those things that are seem romantic when you're in your 20s. But yeah, kitchens
1: were always the sort of hardest part about New York living. Yeah, I think um, totally, especially if you like to cook. Yeah. And then storage in the kitchen. Yeah. Impossible. Where do you keep pots and pans?
0: Oh yeah. Actually, I just saw somebody on Twitter posted a picture of an apartment in New York where the kitchen was so small that the refrigerator was kept in the living room. And I was like, uh, okay, I can't go back there. Yeah. Uh, well, okay, you guys, I feel like we're, I scratched the surface a little bit with your relationship with food, but I feel like there's got to be some more there that I, I can dig into. Um, but I asked about your families. I asked about growing up. I asked about cooking, separate dishes. We got to that. I Are there any areas that I haven't touched on yet that feel like live issues in your relationship as it concerns
1: food? Oh, I think like our biggest issue sometimes is I would prefer to splurge on the full real thing, whether that be, you know, some sort of dessert, full fat ice cream, you know, and I would rather have a little bit of something great. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think you have a harder time, tell me if this is fair or not, uh, eating Eating and walking away, like you, you're more into binging.
2: I am a caveman, and if there is a pint of ice cream in front of me, I shall eat all of it
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because
2: I'm scared, uh, genetically or whatever. Where's my next meal coming from? That's this is my excuse. Oh, um, interesting. So okay, I blame the cave. People. Yeah, okay. like my cave people ancestors. Um, but yeah, I do have that issue. So I've been doing this this thing that Steve thinks is gross. I think. <laughs> um i saw steve is
1: nodding for those who can't see <laughs> yes.
2: i saw a thing on tiktok where you can make protein ice cream which is basically just almond milk protein powder oh, um i'm sorry not to and judge you, not to judge and
0: then, <laughs> and then you
2: fill the wonder with ice and so you get like four servings of this ice cream um textured yumminess and so i'll eat four bowls of that and it's like 250 calories and i'm like great and like last night steve was like mm-hmm no,
1: just no. no, no, no. It tastes like if you fill the blender with ice and then put Dawn dishwashing no. soap. In it, yeah, <laughs> that's what it tastes like. What about the butterscotch one? That was the least bad. That was the least bad. Well, if so, this was, if this but was, was but I, no, but I would yeah. rather have that pint of full fat. Ice and I oh, will, yeah. I will eat. You know, I can eat it in five or six servings. It's okay. Um, you know, I can enjoy just a few spoonfuls at a time and walk away, but that's always, I always want the, the true thing instead of finding the guilt-free substitute, I would rather modify the portion. Um,
0: yeah. Well, if this was real couples therapy, I would ask you, Stephen, how does it make you feel when Byron eats his um, protein
1: ice cream? It's fine if it was, it's fine <laughs> basically him just eating ice. And if he wants to get up and pee all night, then that he can, <laughs> thank you. He can do that. But it has re- required me to hide some food around the house because there are things that- Really? What do you have hidden? I think like peanut butter or something in the past, like oh. jars of peanut butter, because I want, every once in a while, I want a spoonful of peanut butter or a little <sighs> bit as as uh, in, in my protein shake or, or something. And I just like garbage, you know, like Skippy or Jif mm-hmm. kind of peanut butter. Me you know, too, yeah. Want, I don't, you know, it has to have some sugar in it. Yeah, <laughs> so that's the good I stuff. I just want, yeah, a nut butter that is separated entirely. I want, I want what I had as a kid, and um, and you will just eat it until you will eat the whole jar. For you know, if I turn my back for five seconds, and yeah. you know where it is. So I, I have little things like that squirreled away mm-hmm. around the house, which is hard to do when it's 115 degrees. By the way, there's certain things you can't. Yeah, they're
0: gonna melt in the sun. They're gonna melt. They're gonna <laughs> yeah.
1: melt. I have to be creative.
0: Well, Byron, I'm curious, and I, and I know this is something you've written about before, and you, it's on your Instagram, and you, I think you made a web series about it, but you, you're a cancer survivor, yep. and I'm curious if um, your experiences with cancer inform your diet now, like, in terms of healthfulness and mindfulness about what you're eating. Oh, man. I think during
1: chemo, so you went through chemotherapy last year, yeah. and during chemo, like, you were more free with yourself allow allowing yourself to enjoy food or getting food that you want and not worry about the sort of diet aspect of it too much and sometimes with chemo that's that's just necessity you can only keep down what you know what you right but um it was nice to see you enjoy food in a way or have or, or, or you use food as celebration too for for getting through you know a a week of treatment or or something like to to Mm -hmm. do something special because i always feel food has a celebratory or many foods have a celebratory aspect to them Mm -hmm. and the problem is is when we when we eat celebration foods as daily (laughs) staples right that's
0: uh, that's my issue yeah yeah but i'm curious byron like for you like in terms of like mindfulness about like what's in your food is that something that's on your mind when you eat
2: Oh, it really has just gone in phases. So yeah. uh, right after chemo, I was really, um, serious about like trying to cut out or reduce sugar, mm-hmm. uh, those kind of things. Um, gosh, I wish I was more of a champion of, um, uh, juicing or whatever. What's that lady? Um, she was on three's company.
0: Oh, Suzanne Summers.
2: Yeah, like she. I think she's you, like a hardcore you like.
1: You cannot raw be a Palm diet. Springs resident. Of <laughs> yeah. Michael, Suzanne, yeah. yeah.
0: She but got like, she uh, got robbed on like camera yes, recently, yes,
1: right. Yes. Like, yes. A lot. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, so, she, but you know, I I just I haven't done that, and for a while I was a uh, vegan, mm-hmm. and uh, I will say like uh, this is not. Uh, I lack the willpower to to be a vegan with cheese in the house and Mm -hmm. uh, stuff like that. Or I lack the willpower to cut out sugar or something when there's skippy, in the pantry Mm -hmm. so maybe
1: that maybe i'm not a supportive partner maybe this is as a partner but i I have to draw a line in sand at some point and be like all right life isn't worth living without yeah well i think we're hitting on like a very like primal
0: like universal subject which i think everybody struggles with which is like what you put into your body like is you know it's either for pleasure or nourishment but it's like you have to make these decisions every day it's like Are you, are you making these, you know, is it about longevity? Is it about pleasure? Is it about enjoyment? Is it about adding years to your life? It's like, we all struggle with that constantly. So I think between the two of you, it sounds like you're still, you're, you're both finding a balance about, you know, how you manage that, which I struggle with all the time. It's funny because like I go to extremes. So like last week I did smoothies every day for lunch and went to the gym every day. And today I skipped the gym and ordered a Howlin' Ray's Nashville style fried chicken sandwich. And it's like, I, I, I genuinely go to huge extremes. It's like either it's like a fried chicken sandwich and no gym, or it's like smoothies all week in the gym, but I have a hard time with balance. Interesting.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think, I, I think I relate to that. Yeah. I have to just stop eating. I want you to be happy. So I want you to have peanut butter. That's crazy to ask Steven to not buy peanut butter. Um, but is the
0: fear with peanut butter. I just have to ask like for you, Byron, like, is it, is the fear like that it's going to make you fat or is it going to like,
2: I will consume thousands of calories. With peanut butter and honey. I'll take a spoon of peanut butter. And right. Eat, and then sometimes I'll do syrup. Uh-huh. Um, oh, it's so good. Just thinking about it. My body is like. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like. You should go
0: have some peanut butter. I give you permission as your lunch therapist. Thank you. You, Thank you, you. may have some. But it's, it's interesting because it almost feels like the bowl of um, romaine lettuce is an opportunity for you to binge, but you're, you're, you're binging on something that's not in your mind bad for you. Yes. I
1: remember once we had two jars of peanut butter in the house and you drew with a Sharpie on top, like B for Byron and well, S because, for Steve. Like, wow. Why are
0: there chunks of honey
2: in my peanut butter? Oh yeah. And I'm like, oh, I'm making a mess. I'm sorry.
1: Uh, so you have um, separate peanut butter in your But then I pulled them out of the yeah. out of the there <laughs> and it says BS on top. I was like, oh, this is BS. Like, right. this, is, this is too much.
0: In sickness and in health and in yeah. crunchy and in smooth. Yeah. Yeah. Jiffy <laughs> and in Peter Pan. My- um, yeah. My
2: latest, my trend with the salad thing, which is, uh, you know, a low-calorie lunch, is that I have been splurging for dinner. So like for dinners, I'll do like a big veggie burger with a big bun and mm-hmm. french fries. And so uh, I do try to do that. I don't know. Balance,
0: balance. Well, one thing I haven't asked you guys about, and by the way, I'm going to congratulate you for this, but you got married during the pandemic. Is Yay! that right? Yay! Yeah. Mazel tov. But can you, you tell tell us listeners here about that experience and what that was like and maybe well, what you, I think, ate, what you start, ate? Yeah. We, I
1: think we have to start in the proposal. So Byron's novel. Oh yeah, yeah. This is about last July. It's almost a year. Almost next ago. week will be a year ago. But when the when the final copies arrived at our house, you had me look at the at the and I thought I knew the book inside and out Because we're each other's first reader, we give notes along the way and all that. But at the end of the acknowledgments, you had added four additional words which were will you marry me and uh yeah i was kind of stunned i was like wait is this in all the (laughs) (laughs) because the
0: answer is no (laughs) yeah
1: no well i mean we spoiled (laughs) it a little bit if anybody wants to read my what my acceptance of the proposal it is in the acknowledgements to the gunk So you can read these two books and sort of and it's now all documented in the library of congress but um But yeah, we got, we got married in April of this year and it was a decision. Like it was sort of, we'd had our first vaccines, I think at this point. And and it was like close enough that we thought like, should we, should we wait and actually have a a big wedding? And, and for me it was a reason to, to accelerate. It was a reason to floor the gas pedal and be like, no, let's do this now. So we don't have to, uh, you know, have a big thing. I don't know. It was really lovely and quiet and meaningful and just us really.
2: We, we had been talking about it for a while. What do we want exactly? And uh, the opportunity to do it during the pandemic just meant we didn't have a lot of other voices to, to worry about, like mm-hmm. parents flying in, hotel, where is everyone staying? Right. Uh, we could pick our own venue, eat our own foods. Um, Steve, uh, so Steve made a
1: cake. Uh, really? A of three, I baked our wedding cake. T- yeah. amazing cake.
0: What uh, kind of cake
1: was it? Well, adam roberts let me tell you it (laughs) was a uh it was just a a vanilla cake with layers uh uh, with layers of marzipan cream and Mm. lemon curd yeah and um then there was uh, decorated with marzipan uh, candies and hummingbirds
0: that's beautiful
1: and do you guys just eat it between the two of you uh
0: just me (laughs)
1: <laughs>
2: myself.
1: no cake is one of my weaknesses i love nothing more than like a 1950s uh you know layer cake kind mm-hmm. of you know that sort of heavy dense cake um that tastes almost more like more like cornbread but then with the uh, you know, buttercream frosting. That is yeah. like...
0: It sits on the counter
1: with the glass dome. Yeah. yeah.
0: So you guys had this wedding and did you have... So did you have a meal with it too? Like, did you go out to dinner? We you- went
1: out to dinner and that was our first time back at a restaurant in over a year. Where'd you go? Our, with our wedding night. We went to Copley's here in uh, Palm Springs, which is on Cary Grant's old estate. So it's a wow. house. Uh, I can't is-
2: believe you haven't been. It's so fun. You would no. love it. Yeah.
1: yeah. That's so cool. Uh, yeah, it's a really lovely meal, and it has that bit of Hollywood history and specialness to it. That, uh, uh, but it, it, you know, it's funny the the things that used to be the bare minimum for celebration, like going out to to for a meal, suddenly felt like, wow, this is yeah. like wedding worthy. Like we're eating in a restaurant. Yeah. It was. Uh, it and was did something.
0: it feel? I'm curious because like Craig and I had a wedding, um, and. I felt different afterwards, even though Craig and I had been together because we've been together a really long time, like 15 years. But when we got married, we, we had been together, I guess, eight years or nine years. I'm bad at math. But um, but the, but the actual process of just like going through that did make me feel differently. And I'm curious if you guys felt different, even though you went back to the same bed, the same house, the same life. Did it feel different?
1: it did for me and getting engaged. How dare you? First of all, we've got <laughs> separate bedrooms. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: oh, yeah. Mr. And Mrs. Wilson and your separate little bed. Yeah.
2: <laughs> the engagement felt different for me. And then the, the marriage felt different and people have, I've heard people say that. And I'm always like, I roll, but it really did feel really special and lovely. Do you mm-hmm. think that?
1: Yeah. I think it definitely deepened our relationship. It's hard to separate the marriage itself from the year that we've come through. Like, I do think like, um, you know quarantine at home and we took it to an extreme right because byron had a cancer diagnosis uh a week or two after the sort of shelter at home order started last wow. spring so um immediately like we we it was us against the world kind of like mm-hmm. you know, we were going to extremes to keep byron safe through his uh, chemo treatment right so- i didn't
0: think about that yeah yeah about staying safe and- from
1: covid yeah okay. yeah so we weren't even ordering like takeout and stuff like that early on and then eventually when we did it was stuff that that's when the microwave came in handy when mm-hmm. i was able to Got it. just nuke all of our takeout in a way that i thought oh this will be safe um but you know so just that year a year of sort of really close togetherness i think was you know make or break for a lot of people and it certainly um i think we we were already in the, the make category but it just it it's you know i think it deepened our our relationship in general
0: i agree Oh, that's so nice. Mm. Um, Well, you guys, we're not quite at the end yet, but we're almost there. And every podcast begins with what did you have for lunch, but it ends with what are you having for dinner tonight?
2: Oh, drama.
1: (laughs) Well, uh, I've got more chicken marinating already in a lemon pepper sauce. And I think I'm going to roast some Brussels sprouts that we agreed on some little roast potatoes. I think those are I think that's what's in my future.
2: And I'm going to make a a veggie burger.
1: I do two. You'll have the sprouts (laughs) and the potatoes. but You'll substitute your protein.
2: Yeah. And uh, so if the grill is going, I'll ask you to put on two Boca burgers.
1: I'm from Boca. Oh, is that where the burger is from?
0: (laughs) I don't even know, but my parents live in Boca Raton, Florida. So I'll find I'll get them from the source for you. I'll get get the
1: details. Call that that, uh, three headed monster.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So he's going to grill the burgers for you, but you're on your independent journeys, but being prepared on the same grill. Yeah.
2: So our main course will be different, but our sides are the same.
1: Dun, dun, dun. Is that beautiful? That's kind of ironic since you're my main course in life. Uh, and maybe, maybe our sides yeah,
0: are so wait, But Byron, I never asked you why, when and where and how did you become a vegetarian?
2: Uh, it started, was I was I a vegetarian before the the, the Thanksgiving
1: no, it's the Thanksgiving. So
2: there it. was a Thanksgiving where I got up in the middle of the night and uh, we were we were out here at another house that uh, we didn't have this house then, and some friends had gone to Ralph's or somewhere and gotten uh, no, it was like,
1: Costco, Costco,
2: Costco-sized <laughs> pecan pie. And in the middle of the night, I got a spoon and ate that pie, and
0: uh, the whole pie.
2: Yeah, and I was like, you know what? I can't keep living like this. I need some guidelines and some boundaries. And I'm not even sure if pecan pie contains ingredients that are not vegan, but I was like, a butter, butter. Yeah. A lot a lot of of butter, butter, eggs. So I yeah. started going vegan then, and, uh, it was pretty good about it for, for a while. And then it just got, it got, it was really hard to, uh, hard to maintain. And, but, you know, um,
1: so it's been years that I've- I think it's funny that it, it was in response to overeating a pecan pie and not like I had a 28 I ounce steak or something I <laughs> or
0: it like, yeah well it's actually interesting because like hearing that story makes me realize because like, I feel like the the wrong interpretation of Byron's lunch and like his relationship to food is that he doesn't enjoy food that much but I think the actual real thing is that you love food so much but you put restrictions on yourself so that you don't overindulge in food.
2: Yeah, I think that that's, I think that that's true. And I wish, I wish I had a better solution, Mm -hmm. um, but I do not.
0: Well, if it works for you, I mean, you know, there's no right and wrong in terms, terms of what you eat, as long as you're enjoying yourself. I mean, are you able to enjoy yourself? If you go like to my house for dinner and I serve you a big plate of pasta and a slice of chocolate cake, is that something you can enjoy?
2: Oh my God, I'm begging you.
0: Yeah, I've done it before. You guys have been over. Oh, yeah. Over. Oh, yeah. yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. oh, my God. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just
0: fishing for compliments. Yeah. Right.
1: Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think the, the, the dividing line for you is you are like, um, you know, it's like a Game of Thrones episode where you, you, you are like, hold, you've got to hold the door. Hold the door. Keep that food out of the house because mm-hmm. it's okay to go out and enjoy it once in a while. But if it comes in the house, then you, you don't want to eat like that for every meal.
0: All right. So here's my last question. Since you guys are my only and first couple on this show Yay. without consulting one another, you are both going to make each other the meal of, of their life of your, one another's lifetime. Mm. So Byron, you're going to go off and go get a bunch of things. And Stephen, you're going to go off and get a bunch of things, but you can't consult first. Wow. But, uh, what Byron would you present to Steven and Stephen, what would you present to Byron besides a jar of peanut butter and honey? So for Steven,
2: uh, I, can, I answer for sure what dessert will be. And that is I'll bake him a cake based on like Magnolia bakeries, buttercream, vanilla. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Okay. So, um, I hope it's good. He's nodding. He's nodding. That's I'm good. Right. <laughs> this is not a test, by the way. This is more about like how would you express you know, what, what you think this other person would love versus like it being right or wrong.
2: For dinner, um, I think maybe you would enjoy a, like a popover roll. <laughs> uh, so a hot popover. <laughs> I'm sorry from the, I'm sorry, backward. You know what I mean? It um, is
0: making a funny face for those who can't see, but keep going.
2: <laughs> and then, uh, gosh, I really don't want you to have chicken. Um,
1: and I know you don't eat red meat. It's really hard to say. What is left? I don't know. That's dumb and delicious and lives no and
0: no helping. No helping. That's yeah. cheating. I mean, That's I thought cheating. about
2: I thought about salmon, but um, Stephen doesn't buy himself a lot of uh, salmon. So so maybe it would be like a yeah, like a nice piece of fish. Um, that kind of thing.
0: <laughs> Byron, come on, you could do better. We have cake, fish, and a popover.
2: <laughs> a, a popover is a very serious <laughs> I don't know. I feel, like,
0: I feel like we need a vegetable. Just throw in a vegetable and we're good.
2: Oh. What vegetable um defines Stephen size? <laughs> really nice? Um, I don't know. You're a, you like uh um maybe I would
1: do some
2: um broccoli that's just like kind of singed in the pan kind of thing.
1: Charred broccoli,
2: okay. Yeah, what do you think of
1: that? Singed. I love the official
0: cooking terms. Yeah. How did he do, Stephen? What would you actually want your meal to be? Well, I would
1: eat that. I would eat that. Um, Well, wait. Let me say my. Yeah. Say yours. Yeah. Then we'll um, then we'll
0: do a course correction.
1: Yeah, and I guess this is a bear because I've had an extra moment to think about it. But I would love to make for you an incredible. Bear with me. um, Like sushi meal, even though you don't eat fish, but come up with incredible things that would give the experience of sushi so so some mm-hmm. fun sort of vegetable rolls I know there are things I know there are there is a there used to be a vegan sushi place in downtown LA I don't know if it's still there. really that's cool yeah. yeah but they would do things with like um I hate this word but mouthfeel Ugh. and uh <laughs> they uh, would say uh, that on
0: Top Chef the mouth is yeah yeah
1: but like you know avocado, you know, an approximated temperature or some uh, other kinds of like a you know a, a vegetable blend that um, might be like unagi or you know or something mm. um, so yeah, yeah, that would be fun to experiment with because yeah, I know probably. we used to love to get sushi together, what about dessert? Oh my goodness. Well, it would have to be a pecan. Yeah, pecan pie.
0: <laughs> Come on. a
1: jar of Skippy. Yeah, yeah a jar of Skippy. A whole, yeah, I just get you a bottle oh, of honey and a jar of Skippy.
0: Yeah. All right, so then what would you have wanted your spouse to have made for you? Like what like what would you have liked your meal to be?
1: Oh, I think uh, yeah, mine sounded uh mine sounded pretty good. Um I think uh yeah, get that salmon. Let's just get some cedar planks for the
0: <laughs> so just like a very like wholesome like broccoli salmon yeah, and I am, yeah
1: i am not i don't need to reinvent the base you know a, a nice you know a clean piece of protein and the, you know a vegetable and and that popover sounds pretty good i'll take it oh <laughs> good yeah.
0: you did great and have about you Byron?
1: real butter no no substitution butter no low fat butter. no nothing real salted uh-huh. table butter got
0: it and what about you, Byron? Would you be up for the sushi experience or would you have chosen something else?
2: Oh, for sure. The sushi sounds amazing, but I do go through phases where I just eat the same thing over and over. And so I really am in a veggie burger phase. And uh, so that sounds like <laughs> I need a veggie burger with fries right now.
0: So you Sorry. would prefer a veggie burger and fries to homemade sushi? Is
2: that terrible? Well, it's homemade. No, it's not terrible. Let's not yeah. get ahead of ourselves.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, it's okay. that
2: sushi is a lie.
0: <laughs>
2: but uh, wow yeah i would have done that
1: do you well want to i no i like my answer
0: okay <laughs> well you guys did great i mean this is really interesting because as much as we only talked about lunch and food mostly like we, i feel like i've gotten deep insight into you as a couple do you guys feel properly therapized lunch therapized
2: yes i yeah, think you're very I, good at this I,
1: think fruit, thank yeah. you yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. I don't think you succeeded in breaking us up. So. I never
0: wanted to do that. I wanted to bring you closer, which I think I have Where? succeeded in doing. Have you
1: had Craig on? Have you had your husband on as a guest on Lunch Therapy? He used, he
0: used to be. He used to do the intro with me, and uh, uh, people thought he was too domineering. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, <laughs> and he got, his, he got his
0: feelings hurt, and then we stopped doing those intros. But he want, he's dying to come on. He's like, When are you going to have me as a guest? I'm like, "Like well, you're, she's like my backup. Like when somebody cancels last minute, right, I'm right, do right. Crack, so I can't just use that. I have to wait for the right moment.
1: Yeah. That's All a good right. reason.
0: Well, you guys, thank you so much for doing this and um, enjoy your meal tonight of veggie burgers and chicken. And uh, I
1: will make you that veggie burger. I'm going to figure it out. I'm wa- but I want to make a patty from scratch, you know, lentil, uh, whatever. Mushroom. Oh,
0: I see. You wanted like a homemade veggie burger. I didn't then, think about Yeah. That. yeah.
1: And then we'll see if I add the beet juice like an impossible burger. Yeah. Oh, you know, you
0: should look up this guy, Kenji Lopez-Alt on Serious Eats. I think invented a veggie burger that is on there that looks really good. Oh, okay. Wow. Great. Yeah. That's good
2: to know. Thanks,
0: Adam. All right, you guys. Well, have a great day. And thanks again for doing this.
2: It's so good to see your face. Thanks, yes, Adam. you good. too. Thank you. Right,
0: bye. Happy almost birthday. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.